Hello everybody, this is Abby Alcox and we are back at it with another episode. Some of you may have noticed a few minor changes to the podcast. As in this podcast has a brand new name and a brand new logo to go along with that name. Um, so this was um, the missing page from your history book. It is no longer titled that. We are now the Badgerland Journal, the stories of Wisconsin. I decided to focus mainly on Wisconsin history, and that was what the first three episodes were about. So we're going to keep on with that trend. I got some good feedback from that, that people liked hearing local history stories. Um, so as the title kind of says, this is going to be a Wisconsin history podcast. So... If you have any stories you want to suggest, please head over to our Facebook page and leave us a comment on what you think we should cover next. It is Badgerland Journal Stories of Wisconsin, so look us up. Maybe give us a like and a share while you're over there. But I know that most of you did not come here to hear me shamelessly try and promote this podcast. You came here for a story. And what I'm going to be talking about today has to do with one of our nicknames as a state. Because can I really do a Wisconsin podcast called the Badgerland Journal without discussing why Wisconsin is called the Badger State? The answer is no. No, I cannot. And we're going to start off with have... Any of you ever seen a badger in Wisconsin? Because I've lived here all of my life, and I've never seen a badger. Um, and this is partially due to the fact that they are nocturnal animals, and so they usually are not out when the wild abbey is out. But this is all beside the point, because we're not actually named the Badger State because we have an abundance of badgers here. Instead, this actually goes back to a time before Wisconsin was even a state in the early 1800s. This actually involves when Wisconsin had a mining boom. Now, I can already hear a few of you questioning because one of the things Wisconsin is known for is not mining. In fact, Wisconsin is primarily known today for farming and producing dairy. Back when Wisconsin was just a territory, one of the main draws was the mineral-rich land. Native Americans had been mining the land for generations. The Ho-Chunk, Meskwegi, and Sauk tribes all mined easily accessible lead from the southwestern portion of Wisconsin. While the European settlers knew as early as the 1600s, the Native Americans kept their locations a secret and guarded their mines. It wasn't until the 1800s that the Europeans gained access to their mines. They did this through a series of treaties between 1804 and 1832. The natives essentially gave up all of their land south of the Wisconsin River, which was the southwest section of the state, where the lead deposits were located. Between 1820 and 1830, immigrants flocked to Wisconsin hoping to get a piece of the mining boom. Some of these were miners from Missouri who had experienced a similar boom years earlier that just traveled up the Mississippi, Others were miners from Europe, including the Cornish from Cornwall, England, which we will circle back to later because my dad has a story that he insisted I share when discussing mining in Wisconsin. Soon communities were built solely around these mines. 
1829, there were about 4,000 miners producing about 13 million pounds of lead. Now, I can already hear you asking me, Abby, what does any of this have to do with badgers? And the answer is everything. Because some of the miners were so excited to start mining, they didn't even make themselves homes. Okay, it was either that, or they were too poor, or they were excited and too poor to make themselves a shelter. You know, we don't judge on this podcast, so these miners, you do you, boo. Either way, these miners still needed shelter from the harsh Wisconsin winters. So they end up digging holes in the side of hills, creating temporary shelter from the elements. Some people began calling these makeshift shelters badger dens, and the miners badgers. This was not supposed to be a compliment, as they were comparing the miners to animals. But in true Wisconsin fashion, the miners took it as a compliment. Badgers are considered to be one of the toughest animals, and the miners wore this title with pride. Okay, this is totally a side note, but Wisconsinites have a habit of doing this, of taking insults and wearing them as a badge of honor. Because the same can be true for cheeseheads. Because it was Chicago Bears fans who started calling Packer fans cheeseheads as an insult. And then they went, yeah, you know what? We are cheeseheads. And now we have an entire culture of Packer fans who wear cheese on their head. I don't know what this is about Wisconsinites that we take insults and then wear them proudly. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a bad thing. I don't know. You guys let me know. But enough about that. Back to the main point. As you can imagine, since we are known as the dairy state, not the mining state, that this boom did not last, in which you would be correct. All of the easily accessible lead had been mined in about 20 years. And there was little interest in investing because most investors at the time wanted quick profits. They didn't want to invest in more equipment or better technology to get lead that was less easily accessible. So instead, many of the miners picked up and moved west, where the California gold rush was beginning in 1849. Some did stay in Wisconsin and began farming, while others began to mine for zinc, which for a while was also profitable. Mineral Point, one of these communities that was created during this mining boom, actually had one of the largest zinc smelting factories in the world at one point. Some of the Cornish that we discussed earlier moved to northern Wisconsin and the UP, or Upper Michigan, where there were huge copper deposits. Sometimes huge chunks of copper would just wash up on the shores of Lake Superior. Unlike the southwest of Wisconsin, whose mining industry was independent and self-sustaining, the mining industry in northern Wisconsin was not, and many of the investors were out of state. The Civil War caused a decline in mining, and although there was a slight reemergence after the war, mining was pretty much done in Wisconsin after 1886. While the Southeast had farming to fall back on, the North did not. Northern mining communities did not economically recover from the mining bust until the 20th century. While mining is not a huge industry in Wisconsin today, it's still a vital part of our history. It brought thousands of people to the state. And yes, some of them moved when the mining dried up, but some of them stayed. And some traditions are straight from the mines. 
and this is the story that my father wants me to tell, which actually does fit well with this podcast, so we will give him that. And that is, if you've ever had a pasty, if you've never had a pasty before, it's a pastry that's often filled with vegetables and meat with a thick crust to keep the insides warm. And it kind of has this pinch crust on the outside, creating a handle. And this was brought to Wisconsin by the Cornish. It was a good lunch for the miners because the pinch crust created a handle for the dirty miners to hold their food without getting the rest of it dirty. And what's actually interesting about the pasty is it kind of became superstitious for the miners because many miners believed that the mines were inhabited by Tommyknockers or just knockers. And these were supposed to be the spirits of dead miners. They would leave the pasty crust in the mines to appease the spirits. They hoped by being on the Tommyknockers' good side, the spirits would lead them to these large deposits of metal. Whether or not that's true, you can thank the mining industry and the Cornish immigrants the next time you eat a pasty. And if you've never eaten one, you should go eat one after this podcast because you just listened to a podcast about it. That's it for this episode, but I want to leave you with a few questions to consider. Communities that are dependent on a singular industry such as mining are vulnerable when the industry dies or leaves. How do we prevent this from happening and what is our responsibility to communities destroyed by the loss of industry. I will have a post up on our Facebook page, which is Badgerland Journal, and I would love to hear what you think. If you've enjoyed this, please share it with your friends and family. And until next time, this is Abby with Badgerland Journal.